Good morning, redeemed saints. Good morning, redeemed sinners. Turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 21. Now, writing to the church, describing his intent to come and visit them, but he's been delayed in leaving. Um, Immediately preceding our text today, Paul is reminding the church that what and his companions going in the face of the hostile persecution they are feeling is that the love of Christ urges them on. Because Paul says, we are convinced that he so that all those who live no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died. Jesus. Now that's important for us to remember. Paul's motivation for doing what he is doing is because of Christ's love, which is urging him, pushing him forward. Because of what God has done through Jesus, but help do the same. So Paul wants the people to remember this. And that when Jesus comes, as these young people have experienced, changes. Listen to the word of the Lord, beginning with verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 5. Listen to the word of God. on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We no longer look at him that way. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. And see, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, through Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. We are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making His appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. My friends, this is the Word of the Lord. Indeed. After a very emotional ten days, I drove my daughter and granddaughter to the airport as they had to head back home to start work. They also wanted to beat a blizzard that was about to hit Boston. 
And after I dropped them off at the course and started driving out of the airport down Federal, I slowed down. The streets were clear, wide open on a Sunday morning. But I slow nonetheless. You see, I really didn't want to go home. But I knew I must. So I get home, I park the car in the garage, and I make this long walk to the door. And I grabbed the handle on the front door, turned it, and froze 20, 30 seconds. All kinds of things were running through my mind as this would be the first time I walked in to my home since Kelly died. As I pushed the door open and stepped through, I was very conscious. I was very conscious of stepping out of a wonderful past while heading into a very unknown, perhaps a very lonely future. It was one of those moments you don't forget. It's one of those moments that melds itself into the gray matter in your memory. Walking through that door that morning, I realized my life changed. Friends, this is what Paul is describing today in our text. Paul is saying that when a person is pursued by the love of God and that person pauses, turns, and is embraced by Jesus, their life will never be the same. It will be forever indelibly imprinted in their memory. It's interesting when Paul describes our text today, become a new creation. A new creation. And he's talking about people. But it's interesting, the ancient word that he uses for creation has its root, cosmos. So Paul reminds us that our life, old life, dies. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross and through the risen Christ, an entirely life begins now. Our life will never be the same as we step through that door Paul says a person's entire, entire world, their entire environment gets a heavenly reboot and a new systems operating, new systems operations installed. Brand new. It reminds us that our old life dies because Jesus' death on the cross and through the risen Christ, this new life begins. Everything 
in our life into a redeemed future. Each of our lives, as the lives of these young women and men, their lives will never be the same again. Neither should ours. At least, they shouldn't be the same. Frankly, this is why Paul is in the church. He's reminding them that a relationship with Christ demands a life that is different from the life that was before. As Paul says, in the world. He wants us to be in the world or of the world. He wants us to transform the new life, to transform the world. It's a new life, not because of some quid pro quo arrangement with God where we are saved if we do right things and love each other or else God will be upset. No. Our lives are radically different because they are lives full of heavenly joy and peace that the world does not know. Three things in our life, at least three things in our life, change. According to Alan Roxburgh, a professor out in California, three things change. The way we see the world, the way we see the world after we come and are embraced by Jesus. The way we see people, the way we see situations, the way we, we understand God changes. Changes, he says, is the, is the language we use to describe our life and the world. Once we are embraced by the Christ, once we are old to new life, our language changes in the way we speak about people, the way we speak about our politics, our economics. Our, our family, our work. And then the final thing he says that is transformed is that our community is transformed. Our community changes. This morning we witnessed these baptisms and these young people joining the church, and this church will never be the same. There's a, they have a changed community adopted into this family. Now, it's at this point we need to pause. And I want you to close your eyes and sit back. And that's not being rhetorical. I mean it. And I want you to take a breath. And in that silence, as you retire to the back of your mind to ponder, I want each of us to reflect upon these questions. Do I see others from a worldly point of view or through the eyes and understanding of God's? 
outwardly demonstrate that I am a brand new creation. I have had a total systems reboot and installation, and I have a light that reflects the healing love of the Lord. Then again, can others really see a difference in my life, in the way I live it? the way I express it? Or is it just the same old, same old? Do the people I encounter around the kitchen table, yes, even within your family, the boardroom table, outline at Publix, or in the classroom, can any of them even tell that I have embraced Jesus and Jesus has embraced me. They see a transformation in me. Do they see that I speak about and to others in a new way? With a new point of view? As Paul is reminding, reminding the church that Christ reconciled us to God. We didn't reconcile ourselves to God. Christ reconciled us to God. God's behest, God's initiative. And as such, our new life in Christ is one that has specific ministry attached to it. Our new life has a new ministry. And this specific ministry is the sharing of unmerited love from God that we received, that Paul received. Paul was a mess and he got that love. And sharing it with others. Even when it's uncomfortable. You see, that's part of the change we undergo. That's what happens when we step through the door to a new future. Paul says that when we fall in line behind Jesus, we are sent out, not as apostles per se, but he says we are sent out as ambassadors for Christ. And in the original language, fun fact, the word ambassador is the same word we get Presbyterian from. Paul is literally saying, he's calling us to literally be Presbyterian in the world, spreading a message of reconciliation. If love is the highest, most spiritual gift of all that all Christ's followers are able to possess and express, then the deliverance to share that love is through a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation literally means ensuring that the books are in order. That the debits, that there is balance restored in the ledger. But balance is not only restored in the ledger because reconciliation means, more importantly, there's balance in your relationship, my relationship with God. It's been made whole again. And it's been made whole with those people who are sitting next to you 
use and those you encounter out in the streets. It means reconciliation with those people we know and those we don't know. It means reconciliation with not only individuals, communities as well. Reconciliation and balancing, restoring balance with people that we may not like very much at all. And even and reconciling with people we may have a sense of hatred for. Scholar Casey Thompson reminds us that for once <laughs> have discerned Jesus to be Savior of the world, we cannot, as followers of Christ, limit our estimate of hope in another person. The born or unborn, the exploiters, the man murderers, terrorists, militarists, frauds, failures, as we can't see them as a dwelling, as people who are beyond the reach of God. We cannot see any person as anything other than a creature for whom Christ has died and risen for. And this, and thus meant to be a new creation. Yesterday, as Pam mentioned, the session examined these, this confirmation class, and one of the things we did is have them recite the Apostles' Creed. And wanting to see if they've learned to think theologically, I asked them a question. Test. I asked them, why did Jesus descend into hell? Tell you what, they blew me away. Their answers were profound. Jesus descended into hell, they said, because he didn't want to leave anyone out who may not have had a second chance. Jesus descended into hell, they replied, because it reminds us that there is no place too dark, too scary, that God can't go. Whoa. I got schooled. This is what Paul is talking about, my friends. Because God was, is, and shall actively go before us, even to those spiritually dark, scary places, we are to reconcile winners and losers, pious and misfits, Democrats, Russians, Ukrainians, insert your own. We are to bring balance back. Today, these young men and women have embraced Jesus just like you. Today, they have been reconciled, balanced, whole with God. Now it's their turn to be vital Presbyterians, ambassadors, doing the ministry of reconciliation. Their professions of faith this morning is their stepping through the door, walking into a new life and future. Their lives will never be the same. They are forever changed. Church,
Can people that you encounter, that you and I encounter, tell that we've been reconciled to God? Can they even tell? Can other people experience in your life that our lives are not the same as they used to be? They're different. Can people experience in your life and mine were the world and people differently than we did before? How we talk about people and the world before? Can they tell that you and I even attempting to be an ambassador of reconciliation? Being the fifth Sunday of Lent, I think all of these are relevant questions for us. And so, I posit them to you. Let us pray. Spirit of life and love, you do not leave <laughs> Jesus, you come, restore us, you reconcile yourself to us, you take the initiative, and in turn, you expect us to do the same with others in the world. Jesus, it cost you your life. Jesus, help us to accept the cost it will require of us. Let us be good ambassadors, fulfilling a ministry of reconciliation, restoring balance once more. And all of God's people said,